girl Rebecca. And Lily. And you're listening to Just Ghouly Things. Hey, Boo Things, and welcome back to Just Ghouly Things, the quarantine spooky story special, episode 54. And we are your bootyful hosts, Rebecca and Lily. Hey. So I have to ask Lily, what were you just drinking? Because that looked like a really cool blue turquoise color. Of whatever you were doing. Oh, it's just the cup. Oh, it's just the, oh, that's so disappointing. They look so cool. Is it seltzer? Are you drinking seltzer? Sorry to disappoint. I'm drinking Sprite. We're out of Diet Coke. Oh, okay. Uh, wow, you're out of Diet Coke. The Baldessari house. Desperate times call for desperate measures. For real. Lack of toilet paper, lack of Diet Coke. The world really is coming to an end, guys. If you want to <laughs> donate, if you want to donate your Diet Coke to Lily, just email us at <laughs> just cool things podcast at gmail.com so i just found out this morning uh that jerry stiller passed away and i'm kind of upset about it oh no i know he was 92 years old apparently ben stiller said that his father passed away from like natural causes you know being 92 years old so he lived a long happy life but i keep replaying the scene from um seinfeld the festivus episode and okay, I've it, never seen an episode of Seinfeld oh, in my life. Lily, so. you would love Seinfeld, I think. Like, yeah. I think you would appreciate Seinfeld's humor. And so <laughs> Ben Stiller's dad, Jerry, is George George's father in the show. And there's mm-hmm. an episode that's like a really iconic episode, and it's called Festivus. And it's a holiday that um, Jerry Stiller made up um, pretty much like it's, it's around it's, – it's December 23rd, I believe – and so okay. every year you celebrate it and it's pretty much to kind of like it's it's just supposed to be like another holiday outside of a religious holiday and instead of a christmas tree you put up a metal pole and you do the airing of grievances so everyone at the dinner table talks about everything that's pissed them off about everyone at the table and then you do the feats of strength where someone has to pin Jerry Stiller down but oh if not God. like it's pretty much like a wrestling match in the house so, um, so at the end of the episode, they finally have their Festivus activity, and Jerry Stiller goes, I have a lot of problems with you people, and you're going to hear about it. And they have George's boss there, and he goes, Kruger, my boss says that, you, that your company stinks, and like just starts ripping everyone. <laughs> and then... <laughs> Of course, George has to fight his father at the end. And George is like, I don't want to. And then you hear, come on, Georgie, fight your father. (laughs) And it is, I am not doing the scene justice. You guys have to just look it up. Festivus Seinfeld episode. You will find it. It's like a five minute clip. It is so funny. But Jerry Stiller's been in a lot of amazing things as well. He's an awesome comedian and he will be missed. So he was on Celebrity Ghost Stories. He was. He was. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I don't remember his ghost story, but I remember that he was on it. I don't either, but uh, yeah, he was a he seemed like a really good guy. So you know, may he rest in peace, and uh, you know, maybe there'll be some paranormal stories about him in the future. Ooh, Ooh. I'll email Ben Stiller and be like, hey, if your dad haunts us, hit us up. <laughs> you can co-host with us on Just Cool Things Podcast. <laughs> All right, so on with the encounter stories. Lily, you start. So my first uh, story is called My Brother's Experience with Our Basement. 
So my brother does not have a Reddit, so I'm allowing him to type out his experiences on my profile. We both intend to do some EVPs in the basement, but all of his experiences have happened over a span of two to three years. So with so little experiences, I'm not sure we'll catch anything. My brother will be referring to me as my sister and himself as me, my, or I. All right, and now we're swapping to the brother. Crossover real quick. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So when I first moved into our dad's house, I was around 15 to 16. First night I experienced was my first ever sleep paralysis uh, where where I heard my twin and our dad talking. He told her, don't tell your my name this, but the house is extremely haunted. And as I was hearing this, I saw the shadow of a massive man standing over me. After that, I started sleeping with a blanket over my eyes. The next experience I had, I was drowning in a basement, a.k.a. my, I mean, not drowning, drawing. (laughs) Those are two very different things. (laughs) I was drawing in the basement, a.k.a. my room, and listening to scary stories when I zoned out into a daydream of my twin walking down the stairs with a blank look on her face. She walks up to the bathroom, ignoring my hello, closes the door, and straight up starts banging on the door. I zoned back into my art, and that was the end of that. A month or a year later, and I suck at and I suck at knowing time due to ADHD, but I was drawing again and watching deep web unboxing videos uh, when the bathroom door rips open, something to know about that door is I can hardly get it to open without throwing my whole body weight into it. And my final experience so far is towards the end of my dream one night, I opened my eyes all the way in the dream, and it was pitch black. I hear my fiancé saying in a garbled manner, why is the door shut? And I ask, what? She says it again, and after the third time, of that repeating, I slowly am able to see and I slowly am able to see. And somewhere in that I had awoken up and was looking around my room. These are my clearest experiences, but I know I have a lot more. So to recap this one, since there were a few of them, uh, one night when they first moved in, uh, the person's brother or the, the kid who wrote this, or not kid, I guess, the guy who wrote this uh, overheard his dad talking and said, don't tell, you know, don't tell anyone, but the house is haunted. And as he heard that the house was haunted, the shadow, he saw the shadow of a massive man standing over him. And then another time he had just a weird vision. And as he was thinking about, and then a while later, the door in the basement just randomly slammed shut. Hmm. I think that the spirit likes the fact that it's being acknowledged. Yeah. I think it's feeding off of the emotions of the people living in that house. So I think the less that it's noticed and the less that these people seem to care that it's there, the less obvious it'll be or the less experiences they'll have. But I think they're kind of like feeding into it, you know? Yeah, I agree. Okay. Okay, what's your next story? My next story is titled... Old horse rescue farm I worked at that was haunted by so many animals and my experiences. Ooh. 
When I was 12, my parents could no longer pay for my horseback riding lessons, so they contacted a local rescue stable and asked if I could hang out there. To my surprise, it was just one lady who owned the farm and had 32 horses at the time. She invited me over and told me that I could have my own horse if I helped muck stalls and do barn chores with her. So that summer, I spent over eight hours a day there. My mom would drop me off before she went to work at 7 and pick me up a little before the sun went down. I'd bring food, and I could go in the owner's house as I pleased if I wanted to. In those long hours... I was pretty much entirely alone, except when the owner was giving me riding and training lessons. With 32 horses pretty much free roaming in the fields, an old dairy barn, it was built in 1911 and had 40 stalls, there was a lot of cleaning to do, so I would muck the stable aisle a lot. On nice days, all the horses and various dogs and cats would hang out in the pastures. So many times, I would have all the stalls shut and be sweeping, mucking, and hear a horse stumble or shuffle into their stall, turn around, and of course, no horses in the stalls. Sometimes I would be inside a stall, sprinkling sawdust around, and feel a prickly muzzle touch my neck. Turn out, and there was no horse there. I would feel cat paws, my hands, no cats around, a dog nudging my hip, nothing there. One day, I literally watched two white cats sprint across the barn and race into a stall. I followed and looked inside, and, of course, no cats. Nowhere they could have escaped. There was an old white Arabian named Corona I rode a few times who passed at the age of 36. His best buddy was a leopard Appaloosa named Hopper who was 30 when Corona passed. About three weeks later, I had put Hopper in his stall to groom him. He suddenly turned from me and reached over into Corona's empty stall and breathed heavily and pricked his ears and was quivering the way he would when he would greet Corona in the next stall. I had just had the weirdest chills come over me as I watched him say hello into thin air. Oh, my, my theory on why so many horses and animals stuck around. The owner bought the farm in the 80s and since then had rescued hundreds of abused horses. Lots of horses there were misfits. So many animals there were beat, scarred, walked with a limp, and would tremble when you touched them, would literally almost kill themselves in fear if you put a saddle on their back. So many horrors they went through. Some of them were just abandoned because they had cancer or they were too old to ride and people got bored of them. People routinely dumped animals there. I'm not kidding when I say a few times a year the owner would wake up to a new horse in her yard because someone literally just dropped it off without caring. And yet that farm was the most peaceful place in the world. All those animals that never really passed on stuck around to hang with their friends and just to be in a place they knew they could never get hurt. The end. (laughs) Who's crying in the club right now? (laughs) oh my god oh little babies like oh that's my. so sweet honestly the worst people are like animal abusers or like like just go fuck yourselves all of you i hate you um <laughs> like but at least they have like this little sanctuary and they felt at peace in their final hours especially those that maybe were dropped off there because they had cancer and no one wanted to take care of them in their final years you know that's so, so horrible. I know. But, but it's, it's so sweet that they have this final resting place that they love and that, like, I'm not going anywhere. Yeah, I still want to play with my friends, you know? I can't leave them behind, so that's so sweet. I hope that place never shuts down. Oh, my gosh. Keep that place open forever. Do whatever you... Do, whatever, do what you must. Take all my stimulus money. Yes, exactly. All right, what's your next story? Okay. This one is called A Story of a Haunted School Trip. Ooh. Hey, everyone. I recently discovered the subreddit and uh, to share my stories, and I love it. I've had quite a few paranormal encounters, but I feel this one um, that I'm going to tell is a good intro story. I was 16 years old at the time and went on a school retreat. I won't mention what school or where due to privacy, 
But this retreat house is an immense estate property where many priests live and work. The school had bought a section of the estate, which became the retreat house where the students stay. There is a large graveyard near the main retreat house, and it's a generally old place. It was last renovated in the 70s. A priest who was living there back in the 50s had supposedly gone crazy. At least that's how many of the older priests and older school staff described it. The priest ended up hanging himself where the dorms in the retreat house are, and ever since then, no one has felt comfortable. There is always a looming feeling as if someone is watching or roaming. During this specific retreat, I went on. Everyone was already asleep. It was about 2 or 3 a.m., and students weren't required to wake up for the next day until around 7 a.m. There was a noise in our dorm, and one of my fellow peers sleeping in the bed next to mine was crying and praying. He was sitting up completely stiff, crying and praying. It woke everyone in the room up as he had gotten louder and kept sobbing. The language he was speaking sounded like Latin. He wasn't Spanish nor Italian, and he didn't speak any other language other than English. He whispered his name and eventually started calling out for him. He didn't stop. Oh, we whispered his name and eventually started calling out for him. Sorry, he didn't stop. He kept sobbing and praying in Latin. Everyone in the room, which was eight people, including myself and the praying kid, uh, was shaking and confused. This lasted about a minute before he laid back down and was sound asleep. We asked this kid the next morning what the fuck he was doing, but he didn't know what we were talking about. He was sound asleep, but he said he had a nightmare about someone dying. No one else believed us, but when no one else believed us when we said it, people just laughed at us and said, yeah, okay. It scared the ever-loving shit out of me, and no one in that room slept the night, slept the next night at the retreat house. I never went back. This was my third time at the retreat house, as I had gone when I was 14 and 15. Scariest encounter I've had so far. The end. So this kid was, like, possessed in the middle of the night, basically. Yeah, if I hear a kid speaking some random language that I know damn well he does not speak on his (laughs) day-to-day basis... That kid is getting thrown the fuck out of wherever I am residing in, okay? No kid is worth it. No kid is worth getting possibly possessed over. I'm sorry. (laughs) That is the moral of the story. No kid is ever worth it, all right? Um, Okay. Let's see. We'll do... (laughs) Um, hmm. I'll do this one. My older brother told me where to find my missing TV remote last night. Yet he has been deceased since 2011. All right. So last week, my wife and I attended a wedding and had to have a sitter watch the kids overnight. When we returned home, everything was fine except that the remote for the living room had gone missing. Usually when this happens, it's stuck in no man's land under the couch, but I could not find it anywhere. I actually gave up and ordered two more remotes off of eBay. Problem solved, right? So, last night, right, before I got up to go to bed, my son came out of his room and asked if he could sleep with his mom, so I told him yes and got the couch ready to sleep on. While I was asleep, I had my first dream of my deceased brother since he passed in 2011. In the dream, he was holding my remote in his hand and saying he was sorry for making me spend money, he knows I don't like to waste on things I don't need, and that he would, quote, put the remote back where it usually is. The first th- end quote. The first thing I did when I woke up this morning was to check the spot that he told me in the dream and it was there. I had checked that spot at least once a day since it was missing. <laughs> Thanks, Jeff. I'll return those new remotes as soon as they arrive. Edit. Guys, 
When I told my wife about the dream and showed her the remote, she started crying. Between her and I, that spot on the couch was checked and rechecked at least 20 times. I also told my sister about it, and she was ecstatic because she would mess because he would mess with both of us when we were kids by hiding things in really tough spots until he was for sure that we had looked everywhere and then put it in an obvious spot when we weren't around. This is like a classic Jeff. Oh, classic Jeff. Yeah, and that just proves that sibling quarrels and stuff does not end once someone's life is over. They still will fuck with you from the other side. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I definitely intend to haunt my brother if I pass away first. I think, or vice versa, too. I feel like Nick would totally fuck with you. Oh, 100%. He'd spend his time just moving my shit around. Because he always told me I had too much shit. So he would, so shit's going to go missing and I'm going to be like, God damn it. He's going to be like, I'm sorry I didn't say this when I was around, but you were a hoarder and I just had to alleviate the problem. I organized, (laughs) keep, get rid of, donate. (laughs) Exactly. That's going to be him. But uh, yeah, I, I... I just think that that story was so beautiful because even though it was literally his sibling fucking with him, he had a dream, which, mind you, never had a dream with him since his brother passed. And it was something that was a meaningful message and actually was something that manifested itself in real life. So, yeah. Love that. Okay. My next story is called Experiences That Still Scare Me. It's 5 a.m. and my brain won't shut off from experiences that give me chills and goosebumps. My experience might not be as scary as some, but to me, it frightens me. All right, here we go. Last year, it was around uh, 13 a.m. What time is that? That is... When, wait, what, it was like 1 o'clock? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's 1 yeah. o'clock. Wait a minute. No, there's no 13 a.m. Wait, there's no 13 a.m., but it's like 13 o'clock. Yeah. Okay, so that's one o'clock in the afternoon. Damn it! (laughs) Well, the a.m. threw me off. I was thinking it would be 1 a.m. Because it's after, but it's whatever. Either way, um, I heard my mom frantically call out my name. I immediately rushed into her bedroom to see the concern. Visibly shaken, she said she was abruptly awoken by three loud knocks at her door and was fairly surprised I didn't hear it. I had headphones on and was watching a movie, I explained. My dog usually slept on her bed, but was now on alert. I told her everything will be okay. You probably just had a nightmare. She left her light on still and insisted that it wasn't a dream, but you never know. I went back to my room and decided to sleep early myself. I was putting away my laptop. Knock, knock, knock. My heart felt as though it dropped or stopped. Fear consumed me like I just froze in my spot because I was. It was the knocks that were definitely loud. It echoed. I just felt there was a demonic presence behind that door and lingering in the hallway. Another time that scared me to the bone was when I was holding my tablet and something was tapping the back of it. I never want to experience that ever again. (laughs) That was to be one of the scariest ones. Same with the holiday house. I was terrified. And then there's scratch marks. Not so scary, but damn, do they hurt. I remember I had one that appeared to be an open cut. Honestly, it confused the hell out of me. On my palm, a decent-sized cut with detail, and it was disgusting because the skin looked, you know, torn open. 
yuck, I'm sorry, but it just had realistic details and it stung worse than anything. I touched it, but it felt normal, just like normal smooth skin. It disappeared after a few seconds. I had a scratch across my collarbone, another from my elbow up to my hand, well, three, and that stung so badly too, as if someone with, as if there was someone with really sharp claws. One was on my leg. And a third scary experience, um, and one that I'm still baffled by. It was broad daylight. I had my blinds up and was letting the sun in while I sat on my bed and relaxed. My bed is against the wall. So I was shocked. I was so shocked. I was speechless that I told my mom. What? What happened? What were you so shocked about? That's a weird way to format it. Okay, now he's going to tell us what happened. Okay. My eyes caught this shadow person, male if you want to know, crawling like on the wall. Nope. Ew, that's scary. Nope. Again, with the crawling being fucking creepy. Not physically like you're doing it and your shadow is reflecting on the wall. This was right beside me, by the way. That is what I was seeing. Um, It had claws as I saw its entire body, of course. Um, it had two weird pointy things on its head, quite small. It was so weird. It looked like it didn't have human legs either, more like deer or goat legs without the hooves. Um, uh. it, maybe it did, but I can't fully remember. When it moved its hands down and lifted its legs, its knees looked bent. I can't explain it properly. That moment is something I'll never forget. I can't even explain it. How do you explain that? The end. Was this all in the same house, all these experiences? I think so. Yeah, there is something evil as fuck in that house. I don't like any of those stories. The three knockings reminds me of, like, I don't know, like some demonic thing. That creature that's crawling on your wall. That's not a good thing. That's not a good sign. No animal human creature crawling on your wall is never good. Yeah. So, mm, I would Sage and salt. Sage and salt. Sage, salt, and then throw the whole house away anyways, just to be extra safe. (laughs) Just to be safe. Okay. Okay, what's your next story? My next story, which I'm going to do this one. Paramedic experience. So I've been a career paramedic, but this happened when I had only been one for five years. This has never left me to this day, and I shit you not, it happened exactly like this. So I was driving home on a rural highway one rainy afternoon. It was really pouring and traffic had slowed to about 50 miles per hour. I was following two vehicles and we rounded a bend in the road as a small sports car on the opposite side crossed the center line and hit the small SUV that was leading the three of us vehicles on my side of the road. I immediately pulled over and called 911. It was a bad one. I got out to check on everyone. There was a wailing coming from the SUV on the side of the road. That's always a good thing because people are breathing. So I went down into the field past the ditch to check on the sports car. There were two young guys in the car. The force of the impact had driven the engine to where the front passenger seat should be. The passenger was still buckled, his crumpled hand grabbing the oh shit handle overhead. The entire <laughs> section... That's such an accurate word for that handle. Like, what is that handle called? It's called the oh shit handle. Oh shit. <laughs> um, the entire section of car shoved into the back seat area. The back of the car had peeled away as the passenger's top as the passenger's top of his head. His jawbone jutted out raw and jagged. He was clearly deceased, but I felt for a pulse anyway, all while listening to the gasping, ragged, dragging breaths of the driver. No pulse on the passenger. I tried to figure out how to deal with the driver, but there was nothing I could do. The car had literally wrapped around him, and it would take an extrication team tried to get him out. 
Listening to his dying of breathing, I apologized out loud to him that I couldn't do more, told him I was sorry to leave him, but others needed my help too. In my heart, I knew he'd never make it, so I went to render aid where it was needed. In, tri in triage, we call this black tagging, a patient who isn't going to survive. I did what I could do for the family in the SUV. Emergency medical people and fire services got to the scene and took over. The entire family had injuries, but all survived. The mother had permanent brain damage and lost an eye. Holy shit. Oh, no. And to see this all in front of you. So, but the whole day, those two guys in the red sports car stayed on my mind. That night, I was home alone and getting ready for bed with just the bedside lamp on, and I heard something in the hallway. It got louder as it came closer down the dark hallway toward my open door. It was like a thump, drag, thump, drag. I absolutely froze. A broken hand curled around the frame of my doorway. And then that kid from the passenger seat was standing there, busted up just like he was in the car. I am totally serious. He looked at me, and I can't recall the exact words of what he said, but it was something along the lines of, Hey, my friend wants you to know he understands. He wants you to know he's okay. We both are. Thanks for trying. He stood there for a few more moments, just looking at me. And then he stepped back into the shadows, let go of the door frame, and I listened to him drag back down the hallway into nothing. I turned on every damn light I could. I slept with the lights on for two full weeks after that. I clipped out their death notices from the paper later that week. Turns out they were both high school seniors on their way home from a wrestling tournament. Their car hydroplaned from what the investigation had determined. I'd never recognized the blonde-headed kid had he come to me as his healthy, unwrecked self. Freaked me the hell out that he came to me busted up, though. I still have the newspaper clippings. I'll never forget them, nor the ghostly experience. Anyway, that's my experience. I've seen a lot of shit in my 29 years of career, but nothing quite that visceral before nor since. Wow. That story gave me fucking chills. I got goosebumps. I did. And I think that that's something that the guy needed to see, even though it sucks that you saw the person in that state. That you yeah. asked him, but he wouldn't have recognized him, first of all. So, I mean, it would have just been a message that went over his head. But he needed to know that, you know, he did all he could do and that those people that were in that car understood that and they're at peace with that. And there's no bad blood or any, you know, resentment. Yeah, that must be so comforting for him to hear especially because this person being a paramedic and you know any first responders and i probably have so many traumatic ptsd mo moments of things like that they, they've experienced and they mm -hmm. never really get the closure and they may think what if could i have saved them if i had come sooner if i would have done something different and you never really get to hear the spirits of those that have passed on um tell you that everything's okay and that they understand and they you know it's not your yeah. fault. So um, this was a beautiful experience for this person to have. Oh, I love that. All right. Lily, I mean, I don't you... love what happened, but I, 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 I love that the person took the kind of responsibility to go visit him and say, hey, listen, it's okay. Ex I thousand percent agree. Agree. Yeah. All right, Lily. Hopefully you have a little more of an uplifting scary story, maybe? This one is called Strange Occurrences. All right. Let's hear it. So I have way too many stories and I intend to share more as they happen and as I can, but here are some s smaller occurrences that I have yet to explain. Okay. First one, I was in a car with my dad, dad, just getting back from night swimming. And as we pass by the, a bridge thing, I see a man. He was completely black and white, just standing there staring over the side of the bridge. Beside him was another dude just staring at his phone, but he isn't really important right now. 
LOL. As we get closer, he spins around, staring straight at our car, and just glitched out and disappeared. Now, when I say glitched out, I mean glitched, like a laggy television or something. No. My dad turns down our road, and my eyes are glued to the spot where I saw him. My dad asked what was wrong, and I, and I asked if he saw the man. He says there was a guy on his phone and doesn't believe me when I tell him I saw a second man. I don't know. Kind of freaky. In the second story, I was in my room at my mom's house. Lots of things happen in this house, but that's another story for another time. Anywho, just for context, I guess, I have a lot of trouble falling asleep. It takes a long time for me to finally doze off, so I am typically awake really late. This night was the same, but something kept me up later than usual. I just couldn't shake that feeling. You know, the one that anyone who has had an encounter knows all too well. The feeling of eyes on me. I tossed and turned for a while and ended up on my back, facing the ceiling. I laid for a few minutes like that and finally began drifting off, only to feel something shake me awake. The closest thing I could think of is like someone hitting you with someone hitting you square in the chest with a stiff pillow or something but i didn't have any bruises or anything the next day that was only a few weeks ago it's probably explainable but still what's your theory and this is the last story for now i guess this one i was in the car with my mom and my brother it was dark out and she was picking us up from our dad's house after getting out of work hence the darkness we drive past a community bus stop place and see the shape of a man just standing absolutely still, his arms stiff out by his side. It was too dark to make out any details, but I remember he was wearing black. I laugh, thinking it was just a weird dude trying to freak people out. But when I blink, it's gone. My brother asks what I'm laughing at, and when I tell him, he says he never saw anything. I couldn't tell if the man was looking at us or away from us, but I have a sneaking suspicion he was looking at us. Anywho, those are just a few smaller encounters. I have a ton of similar stories, too. I seem to attract weird things everywhere I go, lol. Thoughts? Well, I definitely believe this person's a sensitive of some sort. Yep, me too. But the first story really stuck with me, because immediately I thought Glitch in the Matrix. 100%. Glitch in the Matrix. I love those type of stories. That's what I think, too. Oh, the, like the TV sort of lagging sort of sense of the guy. Mm-hmm. And, um, and this person is the only one that saw him. I don't know. Just I just got glitched in the Matrix, thousand percent. Yeah, that's what I was thinking for the first one. And I'm I'm wondering, you know, is like this person is clearly a sensitive. Is it is it this was it the same? I mean, I guess if it was the same guy, then they would have said it was the same guy. If it was the same kind of like spirit or thing, maybe following him. But who knows? Or maybe the it world is, may never know. Yeah, or maybe it is, and like the person that wrote this didn't make that connection. Yeah. So, yeah, like you said, the world may never know. Okay. So my next story is, I cannot find anything like this. Is the name of the uh, the title of the story. So in 2008, I was 19 and deployed to Afghanistan. I was at a small post in the southern area of the country. It was very mountainous and not very populated. We had men who weren't in uniform coming in and out several times a week, never staying more than two days. We were all pretty positive they were special forces or some sort of maybe CIA contractors. They didn't have much interaction with any of us, pretty much ever stayed in their groups. 
there were a lot of rumors going around that they were doing some psychological warfare things, like ambushing and killing all but one in the dark, butchering corpses and leaving them in front of suspected villages, burning things down, just, you know, crazy things to mess with people. Well, about my third week at this posting, we were told in the morning they wanted us to check in on a village not too far from us. They had been complaining about us killing goats and skinning them, which really wasn't that uncommon. We had complained all the time to try to get money and other things from from us in repayment. Then we had a report of a patrol in the area see a bunch of women and children carrying a lot of things rushing away from the area. Kind of suspicious. The next morning, we set out before the sun was all the way up. The village was a little less than an hour drive from us. The whole area was pretty flat in a valley most of the way there, but about two kilometers from the village, you have to take a small dirt single track road up the mountain. The entire village was on top of a small mountain, but in like a big bowl. It was just maybe a dozen small walled-off houses and sheds. No more than 40 people had lived there. Well, as we split up and approached the village, our comms freaked out. All we heard was static. But four of us heard voices. They all said it was like 100 people were all talking at once. You could hear it, but couldn't make out what was being said. That lasted for about a minute. The other group radioed us and said that they, three of the six of them, had heard clicking clinking metal and a harsh loud scream a wet gurgling scream then mid scream it cut off and went silent we radio back and reported what happened we were told to continue on our radios are encrypted there was next to no way anyone could have gone into them not even five minutes later it happened again but this time it was more than half of us we heard people talking while breathing heavily like they were running so many voices all at once like had to rip my headset and helmet off like many of the others. It was bad. We were out in the open, all in panic. We reported again, but one guy said he heard what kind of sounded like Farsi, Persian. Another said kind of like Latin, and I swear what I heard was in Russian. We were told it might just be interference, switch channels, and keep on task. So at this point, we were maybe 30 meters from the entrance of the village. It's a pretty big open area on this mountain, not much to hide behind besides the buildings. Someone noticed a thin blood trail leading into the village. We took note and continued on. When we stepped into the village, we saw a tiny puddle of dried brown blackish blood. Before we could even register what we saw, three military-aged med- men stepped out and opened fire at us. We all Oops. dove for cover. I ran behind this one to one and, a, uh, one and a half meter high wall surrounding a small building. As soon as I dropped to my ass, a man stepped out of the building and shot at me. I panicked. This was my first time being shot at. I shot at him at least eight times, two of which smacked him in the chest. Someone from the other side of the wall in a building was firing at me, so I ran, bes- I ran to hide beside the building the man just came out of. I took cover next to the man listening to his gurgling, heavy last breaths. Oh, my God. After all was said and done, we had reinforcements arrive, we put down eight me and wounded two more nothing on our side while everyone was taking the required pictures and whatnot an army patrol came by with four of the women from the village they said they found them hiding in a nearby town begging for help they had to pretty much carry the women back and they refused to return we split the women up and began to question them they admitted the men were gathering and getting things together to attack a patrol someone had promised them a great reward but they were all crying all terrified to be back an interpreter asked what had them so shaken. Is it because of the fight? They said the morning before, as the sun was coming up, they saw what looked like a bloody man walking up. Some of the women went so to try to give aid when they stopped and screamed. As the man close, walked closer, he was naked from head to toe, no hair and no skin. Each step, he looked like his knees were buckle and collapsed. He had no eyes and no muscle around his jaw. 
His head just swung around loose like nothing ridged to hold it up as he walked. They said he was slow and jerky. They could hear him breathing. It was wet and heavy like he was drowning. Sound familiar? Oh, God. The men hearing the women scream and run, grab some weapons. Some were muskets, some tools. As he walked closer, they saw his belly was slit and things were just swinging from his gut. The men began to fire at him. The thing didn't notice, didn't stop, didn't even flinch, and chunks of him were ripped off. He finally stopped and the men were reloading and opened his arms like he was going to hug someone and screamed. Screamed so loud, they had to cry. The men closest to him began to bleed from their eyes and their ears finally collapsed. The next thing they knew, he was gone, just vanished into a light red mist. The men who fell were gone too. Not a trace, no footprints or anything, just the train of blood into the village. We all kind of looked at each other like, that's bullshit, no way. We kind of ignored it and continued on with documenting and cleaning up. After several hours we were leaving, I was in front with six other men. We were all talking about the radio thing when one of us just stopped and yelled at us to drop. We all listened and spread out dropping low. There are a wi- There is a wide open and empty. There is nothing to hide behind it. But there in the middle of the dirt track with a- was a horse with its legs cut off, flush at the joints, with its head twisted upside down. Something was sticking out of its belly, and it had something carved into its skin. We thought it was an IED, so we went through the standard processes and cleared the area. When we were sure all was well, we finally approached it. It had a one-meter-long shard of broken mirror stuck in its side, Arabic letters carved into it. The half of the horse facing away from us was skinned, so clearly there wasn't a drop of blood or a cut into the meat. We asked our interpreter what the Arabic word said, and he said it isn't Arabic, but kind of like Farsi, but not at the same time. He said he thought it looked like, look, look, don't look. We were all freaked out. We went back and reported everything. Our CO listened to the entire story, and after a long silence that felt like in half an hour, said, it was nothing. Exhaustion and stress from your first engagement. Be careful who you tell. People will beg to question your mental fitness. Later, when some of us went to shower, there was yelling. The guys who were out there with us said they saw that their faces had no skin in the mirror. We calmed them down and moved them out so we could shower. I was the first one done and went to shave when I saw a red skinless person in the corner of the mirror. That was 11 years ago yesterday. I still sometimes see him in the mirror. He'll be in my bathroom. I don't have... Hell, in my bathroom, I don't have a mirror at all. I go to a barber once a week to shave me. The last time I shaved myself, my daughter was watch was watching me when I saw the man in the corner of my eye right next to her. She saw him in the mirror, too, and ran off screaming. What makes us all crazy is in that deployment, three of us from that day were killed in an IED. Two were critically injured in another. Our interpreter was killed with his family in his home. Four killed themselves within three years of returning home. That's eight dead and two injured, just like the villagers. I've only told maybe a dozen people about this. Only one or two believes me. I can't find anything like this anywhere in the world. I know the area has a lot of history, like the Russians had a base where we had ours in the 80s. Some say Alexander the Great marched his army in that valley, too. I don't know what to think of it. I just need to know more about it. It's been bugging me for years. Wow. What are the odds that those people died and that the same amount of people died as the same amount of people that died in that village that day? And just still there's that trauma. And, I mean, you could easily say, you know, it could be traces of PTSD, of course, which is completely mm-hmm. logical. But the fact that this red being was seen by the daughter, too, in the mirror. 
Exactly, and that's just saying kids are more sensitive. Mm-hmm. And then the the horse that was uh, was engraved "Look, look, don't look." It was kind of like a bad omen of being like, mm, "You just crossed the wrong path, people." Yeah. So yeah, that's just as if fighting in a war isn't traumatizing and scary <laughs> enough. Then you have that's some what sort I was thinking curse. the whole time was they don't have enough to deal with mentally. We're gonna throw this at them too. Yeah, super fucked up. All right, Lily, what's your last story? Okay. My last story is called, Can Someone Tell Me What This Might Be? Hopefully we can. That's our job. Okay, so for context, I'm a 14-year-old female that lives in Oregon. I live with five other people. This has been happening for the past two nights, and I'm afraid it's going to happen again. I'm a night owl, so I'm usually up until the early hours of the morning. My family has been going to sleep early because they don't have to work despite because they still have to work despite the quarantine. The first night I just felt really on edge and I was hearing the small noises. So I thought nothing of it. Last night though, it was worse than I thought it would be. I think it was starting around 12:55 a.m. when I first heard something fall in the kitchen. I went in there to go check, but uh nothing was disturbed. Then I heard one of my cats meowing. I thought it was coming from outside, but when I went to the back door, I felt a really bad feeling. So I went back inside and found my cat in my room. He couldn't have gotten in there, though, because I saw him five minutes ago in the kitchen, and the doors to my room were tightly shut. I burnt some sage, but it didn't do anything. I think it just made it worse. I kept hearing knocking at the bathroom door from inside the bathroom. A haunted bathroom. Surprise. Um... <laughs> I kept checking inside and no one was in there. And my family members are very heavy sleepers. I had a pair of scissors in my pocket for self-defense, but when I got but when I heard the last knocks, I got up and the scissors were gone from my pockets. At that point, I just wanted to sleep and here I am the next morning. I'd also like to mention an incident that happened a little over a year ago. My mom and my little sister were up in the attic replacing the bathroom fan when I hear my mom scream bloody murder. I run over and ask if everything's all right, and my mom replied, yeah, why? To which I replied, I thought I heard you scream, and she said she didn't. A majority of paranormal activity in my house is in the bathroom, mainly with these two incidences, though. Please tell me what you think in the comments and what I should do. The The bathroom is a portal. Exactly. That's exactly what I was thinking when I when I when I skimmed this was I saw I literally saw the word bathroom in it. And I was like, okay, this should go in the episode. Mm -hmm. Sage that bathroom. Sage it. Because, I mean, there definitely is some sort of message being conveyed. The house definitely has some history behind it, or at least the property does. And um, yeah, if you don't want to deal with it, sage it out. When in doubt, sage it out. We need to make that into a shirt. For sure. Yes. If you want okay, merch. What's your last story? <laughs> okay. <clears throat> I keep burping a lot. I don't know why. I didn't even drink water today or anything. <laughs> Oof. Okay. My last story is titled Butterflies Won't Leave Me Alone Now That My Older Brother Has Passed Away. We used to raise and make pets out of butterflies together. My brother and I were best friends growing up. He was four years older than me and he was my biggest role model. 
As a young boy, probably close to being 10 years old, he was absolutely fascinated by butterflies. He took care of them, loved raising them from cocoons. He knew everything about every butterfly. After they would pass away, he would keep them because he thought they were beautiful and loved them dearly. I partook in it merely because I admired my older brother so much and wanted to do everything he did because I thought he was the best. The butterflies never seemed to care for me much. They landed on him like crazy but wouldn't land on me, even when they would go to places like Butterfly World where they used to where they're used to humans. They would land on everyone except me. (laughs) As he progressed into adulthood, he struggled with addiction, which ended up making him fall very ill, and his body gave up on him. He had a heart attack the last time he used a substance, and he passed away. He still loved butterflies up until then, when he was 23. Although we weren't close... As this chapter, at this chapter in our lives, as his addiction had really pushed me away, we still talked occasionally when he was going through his good days. The last time I saw him, a few weeks before he died, we were visiting our mom and had brought up ghosts, as we had both always had uh, thought her house was haunted. Growing up, him and I had many paranormal experiences, which we both saw together and talked about the last day I saw him. They were experiences that made us bond even more since no one else saw these things but us, together. While still being very young, we had moved into another rental for the month. We would play in the attic. We had been there lost at this point. We had been there lots at this point. But one day, went up there, and it was filled with probably ten monarch butterflies, which we assumed came in through the slightly opened window. We both saw it, and we were in awe. Played with them for a while, but by the next day, they were gone. I don't remember us ever even telling our parents. It wasn't until I was much older and realized that was very strange. The visit I had with him before he passed, uh, the topic of paranormal got shifted into reincarnation. He asked if humans could reincarnate to anything like a butterfly, he had wondered. It was a very brief moment, but now that he passed, some strange things have been happening to me, and I can't get the few seconds out of my brain where he mentioned reincarnating into a butterfly. He passed away in late January. It was still basically winter where we live. Not soon after this, a bright orange butterfly was outside of my house. I thought it was so strange, and it is, of course, didn't make sense due to the cold. I didn't really give it a second thought other than how weird it was that there was a butterfly in February. Ever since then, butterflies fly, follow me everywhere. It's gone to the point where it's very strange, and even the people around me think it's strange. We are not a very butterfly-populated place, but they land on my head randomly as I'm walking to work now. They land on my leg when I'm not looking, as I'm sunbathing, and scare the living hell out of me. <laughs> we went floating down a river in a different town, and halfway down the three-hour river ride, a butterfly landed on my arm and rested on the tube. The group of 15 we were with saw it and thought it was so bizarre. None of them could get to come near them one morning i got home from work and a very bright new looking butterfly was seated on my front step seemingly unable to fly it looked completely uninjured but wouldn't leave so i fed it and gave it a nice sunny place to rest and it still sat outside the door hours later fluttering or fluttering around but it wouldn't fly away I can't help but feel somehow my brother is doing this, which is just a lovely thought, but it makes me filled with so much sadness and grief, wishing I could tell him all about these butterflies. Oh, that's so sweet. That and a lot of psychics and mediums do say that butterflies are a symbolism of your loved ones being there with you in spirit. And it makes sense that even this person who was a huge butterfly fanatic growing up uh, would reincarnate as a butterfly to let their sister know that they're still with them. Um, but this is crazy too, because this person also noted that butterflies would never go near them. Yeah. What are the odds that you're completely ignored by butterflies your whole life until someone mentions reincarnating into one of them. And then all of a sudden they're all over you. Yeah. Just a beautiful story. 
Um, but yeah, so that concludes this episode of Just Ghouly Things, the Quarantine Spooky Story Special, episode 50, 50, 54, 54. And, uh, Lily, do you have anything to say before we wrap up? Um, be kind to one another. I like that message. Yep. And if you see a butterfly, know it is a loved one. Yes. Sending you a message. Okay. So let's get with the socials. Let's do it. <laughs> All right. Follow us on Instagram at Just Coolie Things Podcast. Personal Instagrams at Rebecca Ruber and at Lily Balbasari. Twitter. JGT Podcast. Facebook like page. Just Coolie Things Podcast. Facebook private group. Just Coolie Things Podcast group. Donate to our Patreon. Just Ghouly Things Podcast. And if you or someone you know has a paranormal experience you'd like to share in our show, feel free to email us at JustGhoulyThingsPodcast at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening, Boo Things, and we will talk to Boo tomorrow. Goodbye. Goodbye.